Ready? What's going on, everybody? We are here once again with another great episode, and we have a very, very special episode today. We are here with Christopher Scoville, also known as Jimmy Jacobs, internationally known as Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and being with us today, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, pleasure's all ours. Absolutely. I, uh, I went, before we started recording, I saw you jamming out there a little bit on the ukulele. Yeah, I, got, I oh. bought a ukulele. That's like, awesome. Years ago, and I'm just like, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Now, so obviously you're musically inclined. To, is, Not really? No, just, just. Uh, <laughs> you can't pick that up and just like, yeah, dude, do that <laughs> and say you're not musically inclined. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just been here, uh, you know, over the past seven, eight months. Um, it's been. A, a crazy time and it's like well, what are you gonna do with your time it's like yeah how about play and i bought like a i bought an ocarina i bought uh okay. i bought a ukulele and i've got a a hand pan coming in i don't know if you know what a hand pan is it's it's, this, it's like a steel drum that okay. looks like, it looks like a ufo and it's got this like real um you know mystic melodic sort of tone to it so that that's a very awesome. that's a very Asheville North Carolina instrument uh, they have the, I've seen people playing that on the streets in Asheville and the drum it's circle kind of like hippie new yeah. age yeah right? yeah no you'll fit that fit right in here where I'm from man man that'd be that, yeah you could just walk right up and just join in they there's circles of those yeah. every day in the streets in Asheville it's, it's a thing. It. sounds right up my alley. I just wrote that down for myself hand pan <laughs> <laughs> They, they have this like amazing sound and the way they're they're tuned the scales it's like you can't play them badly more or less it's just okay it's it's a, it's a pentatonic scale it's just beautiful melodic tones so everything you're hitting is on the same scale yeah yeah cool. it, it, you're not going to get anything really discordant it's very it's, it's very beautiful right yeah, so. i'm so like so so amateur with the guitar all i know is the blue scale so i can jam as long as i'm staying on the blue scale but you try to get me off that, and I'm the, oh, you know. <laughs> it's something, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, so, it's like, what, what else am I doing with my life other than, you know, playing and um, learning and you know, trying to expand my horizons and things like that. So sure. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a, wild, uh, a wild few months. I mean, before we, we were recording, uh, Dom, you and I were talking, and like I said, this is probably the, um, the best year of my life. And you know the the time alone, the time in you know isolation. You know, I moved to Phoenix back in March, like right, right when everything started going down. Like I I moved here. I got to, I drove to Phoenix. From, I was in Chicago for a couple of years, and the day the next day I went to go get furniture, and IKEA was closed. And <laughs> I came wow. down here, really not knowing anybody, and then was just in solitude for for months. And it, it's sort of this thing where you have the choice to either you know, play on your phone and watch catfish reruns or, or go in deep and figure out what's going on with this and figure out what's going on here and um, explore some. And that's, that's what I did. So it was, it was a super transformative uh, time in my life. I'm really, really grateful, you know, with all the you know, negative uh, 
stuff going on, I can, I can sit here in gratitude and go, well, because of this negativity, I had this opportunity to, to sit with myself and learn to sit with myself and all the incredible things that transpired uh, subsequently. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, it stinks that you really picked the worst time to move there because Phoenix is otherwise such a really awesome place to be at from everything I hear. But you, you can say our uh, worst time, but it was, it was great. It was, it was the best. If that hadn't happened the way it happened, I wouldn't be whatever I am right now. Right. I would have something else. And that's fine. And that's something else would be fine too. But um, it was really, I, I've been on this journey of let's call it self-discovery um, for the past three and a half years. And the, the, this, this year was just like a crash course. It was um, so much information, so much stuff, so many revelations and downloads and whatever um, that really brought me into a, to a whole new um, whole new level I you know was able to sort of level up energetically spiritually physically all sorts of things so uh really really amazing yeah yeah time and time and uh self-reflection always breeds growth you know yeah no, if, if right if you if you're not distracted you know there's a reason that Jesus went in the desert for 40 days and Buddha sat under the tree I believe for for 40 days um because it's it's that isolation that sort of you know without the distractions of, of something else, when it's just you, when you're forced to, to look at here and everything that's going on in the layers and layers and layers, um, that's, that's when growth happens, maybe enlightenment, not, not, not personally saying I'm enlightened, but that's, you know, that's yeah. part of the idea, right? Is that enlightenment happens uh, when, there's, when there's nothing else and it's just you. I love that so much, that, that mentality. And I, I'm a big believer in the fact that everything moves in waves. Everything on this earth, every, every interaction that we have with everybody else moves in waves. And you have a bad day, you, even if you're not doing anything, but you, uh, you, know, you project a bad image, that affects the people that you interact with. And then that affects you know, who they interact with. And it works the same with positivity. And being able to have that, like you said, that kind of self-reflection to be able to grow, figure out what's, what's wrong with you and what change what's wrong with you and, and, you know, focus on what's right with you. And, and, you know, in the same sense, uh, you don't get that, that time to be able to do that when you have all these distractions. And that's a really uh, weird indirect positive to this whole pandemic that everybody's been in. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, it's very true um, that, you know, as we exist seemingly in the middle of chaos, especially if you watch, if you watch the, the, the news, if you go on a lot of social media, it, it seems as though we're in chaos. Now, if you go outside, you know, outside for a walk or if I go camping, world's normal, right? But if you, if you, if you tune in to, to, to this, this idea of chaos, it feels like we're in chaos. So it's like, well, what, what can you do in the midst of this chaos? And if you want to help the world, the best way to do it, in my estimation, is to first help yourself. Because as you start to take care of yourself, like imagine what you could be if you lived up to the potential that you had. So as you feed yourself, as you grow, as you, you know, strip away the illusions of the ego, and as you, as, as you heal the traumas and heal the wounds, all of a sudden you can interact with the world in a much more positive way. And, and, and those waves you're talking about, as, 
as I lift up, I lift up the people around me. But if I go down, I drag down the people around me. So don't you want to be a lift on those around you? Because if you help lift the, those people up, then, then they're a little lighter and they help lift the other people up. And that's how the world changes. You know, we've got this, we've been handed this frame that in order for change to happen, there's, you know, you can either vote or protest or use a hashtag. And, and then, the, then the change is, is facilitated by the government. And that's the way change is made. And people have this frame and they've, they're really stuck in it. And you got to get out of that frame and go, okay, that can be a way to make change. But the real way to make change is to change your world. And when you change your world, you help you help the, the, the people around you. And, and that's how it spreads. That's how the wave grows, man. That's how the, the, the rising consciousness of the so, so true. And, and so much of the problem, at least in my opinion, I don't want to speak for you or Cass or anybody else, but in, uh, on that note, so much of the problem, I think, in, in our nation is that people – uh, they'll, the, their sense of helping those around them is, you know, extends to what they can see from their doorstep and not anything beyond their doorstep. And that changes mentalities and just how you are. I don't want to, you know, get too political or force you to, you know, get political, but I, I just think that's such a, such a very important thing that everybody needs to hear, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, just in life to just focus on how your actions affect everyone around you and how the world could be so much of a better place if everybody just took that to heart just a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, we spent so much time for the last few weeks and I mean, months and just, I mean, it's, it's been the collective consciousness for, 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 for so long. This idea that, oh, we, we spend so much, like, let's face it, everybody spent so much time and energy and focus on picking a leader when really you want to spend that time and energy becoming the leader. Yes. And that leading by example, if, if, you know, you don't like this, this guy over here because he's divisive, fine, become the, become the embodiment of, of unity. If you don't like this guy, cause you feel like he spreads hate, fine, become the embodiment of love, become the embodiment of compassion and lead by example. And once people see like, Hey, look at this guy, this guy, like I look at it, somebody like John Cena and he, he's somebody that I really looked up to and look up to. And sometimes I think, Hey man, what would John Cena do? And I know he's not perfect, but he's just a guy that what, that is so graceful and so kind. And he has, he has the power to destroy. Don't get me wrong. You know, in WWE, he was the man. And if there's anybody there, there could have crushed you just like that. It was John Cena, but he's the guy that didn't do that. He was more kind and more gracious. And that's, I mean, that's what it means to have, to have the power to crush, but the discernment not to use it, that, that is real kindness and that is real power. And so, you know, all this to say, be, become, become the, the change you want to see in this world, I, embody that compassion, embody that, that whatever it is. And, and you have so much power. You do that. That's the other, there's this presupposition that, you know, the, the most powerful man in the world is the president of the United States. It's like bullshit. The most powerful person in the world is you. You just haven't realized it yet because you have all these stories about, uh, about well, this, this person's this, and if I do this, then this, and what if this, and, and, and you shrink down into being this, this little thing, and you go, well, hopefully if I cast this vote, this guy will take care of the problem. When, reali when really you have the potential to be, to be everything in the world. I mean, think, think about what one person can do, and you can do it. 
You just, you just have to start, you, you start with here, you start with what's in front of you. You start with, you know, getting rid of, you know, like, you know this damn vape and it's like, this thing like haunts me. Like, you know you shouldn't be doing this. And uh, it's something I'm working on. But it's, it's you, you start with what's in front of you. And it, as long as you, in AA, they talk about taking, you know, doing, doing the next right thing, the, the next right thing, the next right thing, the next right thing. And you can't go wrong as, as long as you start doing the next right thing, the thing that's in front of you, the thing that's right here, um, and, and one foot in front of the other, you'll, you'll start to become more than what you are. And uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful transformation. We're all, we're all working on it. I hope we all, all are and, uh, you know, becoming what we're capable of being because this world's made of potential. And we have unlimited potential. We really do. Damn you, Jimmy Jacobs. I had I have so many questions for you based on your career because you've done so much in your career, but ah, I just want to stay on this train of thought with you because it's <laughs> it's ah and you know I one thing that I I always well, well, I guess two things that I always live by that were the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten personally is if you're happy, stay happy. Don't do anything to ruin that. But also win each day and only the day in front of you. So like you can't do anything about what happened yesterday and you sure as hell can't do anything about what's beyond today. Uh, you know, what lies tomorrow. But if you just focus on the day in front of you and you take those little steps, those little tiny steps in the day that you're sitting in just to be able to win that day, it puts you in that much more of a better position for tomorrow. And yeah, that, that's how change happens, man. It's, it's, it's one, it's one small step at a time. Unfortunately, this illusion that, Oh, if we change the person up here, that fixes the problems. It's like that's that's that that's nonsense. There's there's nobody you could put as the you know the the ruler of our of, of our of our these United States or something that would would fix things. The the we have to start to realize that the problems lie within, but the solutions lie within as well. I mean, it's 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 that was a life changing thing when I realized that. I go, oh, all. All my problems exist in me, but all my solutions, all the solutions problems also exist in me. And we have this tendency to externalize, um, ex externalize the problems. You go, oh, that person's problem. There's the problem. There's the problem. There's the problem. There's the problem. And we also have a tendency to externalize the solutions going, okay, cool. Well, once they make a new policy that will, you know, do, do this, then, then everything will be better. It's like, nope. Nope, the, the, the responsibility for the changing the world lies inside of each and every one of us. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's a, it's, a, it's, a fun, it's a fun journey to be on. I, um, yeah, it's great. I, uh, I feel like I'd be remiss if, if we got this interview with you to have you on here and didn't talk about wrestling at all. So <laughs> let me, I, I cast would be mad at me if I didn't do that. So let's. Nah, not, uh, not really, man. I mean, I'd, be honest, <laughs> I'd let well, it slide. Let's. Uh, let, let's jump into, because you, you've had such a career, and which is ridiculous to think of considering how young you are, but you've already, if you, know, if you didn't do another thing in wrestling for the rest of your life, you, you would have an iconic, legendary career. Part of that is because you started at such a young age. Uh, was there anything, and this is kind of a general question, you probably got it a bunch of times. I feel like I've asked it a bunch of times to people, but did you ever see yourself doing anything outside of wrestling when you were younger? Um, yeah, I mean, for... For, for a while, I wanted to be a lawyer like my dad, and I, I wanted to be a, a rock star probably in about fifth grade or so. I thought I would be a rock star. I, I, I 
became neither a lawyer nor a rock star. Although I, uh, I took, come on now, let's be honest. LSAT <laughs> in uh, in my late twenties. I almost went to law school in my late twenties. But um, yeah, uh, so those those are the other things. But you know, wrestling happened, and wrestling was a love I had uh, at, at a young age, and. You know, I don't know, man. I guess when you're young, maybe you're not scared to make these leaps. You just go, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I was fortunate to get in the business in a very young age. I think before the fear of change and the fear of failures all sort of came up, it was just like, well, of course you do this. Of course you go after the thing you dream about going after. Um, and very, very grateful that I was able to do that at a young age. I, uh, <laughs> Every time you open your mouth, it just gets better. I'm in law school now. And it, uh, when I graduated from my undergrad, I, um, I went directly to law school and I failed out in the first year. I was lucky enough to get in at a, at a uh, law firm in personal injury local. Uh, and I'm from Philadelphia. I actually, I, li I grew up basically like walking distance from the armory uh, in, uh, on Southampton and the Boulevard. So, um, but anyway, so I was able to get that experience, but it wasn't until I got kicked in the ass with that failure that I realized that, you know, it changed my perspective to give, instead of looking at all the external things that I can blame, looking at the internal problems with myself, uh, and was able to, fortunately, knock on wood, get back into law school and now everything's going great. But it wasn't until I had that failure, that ultimate failure that like, you know, hitting the bottom to realize like, no, this is a good thing. And now it's, I look at it retroactively as one of the best things that ever happened to me. Of course. I mean, that, that, that's how, that's how the universe operates. Uh, we tend to think these things are, are, are bad things at the time they're bad, but I can look at, um, you know, just some moments in my life that were super rough and just, Oh, this, this seemed terrible at the time. It was painful to go through, but you look back at that and go, Oh, of course that had to happen that way. Of course it did. Cause sometimes the universe will just ask to kick you in the ass. Mm -hmm. you don't learn the lesson uh, just through your day to day, uh, thing it's like all right well if he's not going to do it we we, we gotta uh, you know it, it's as if something from the outside's going well if jimmy ain't gonna learn to uh to do this let's kick him in the ass let's do this and then and then let's see if he learns his lesson and if you don't the lessons just keep coming harder and harder right that, um, so and you don't realize how much room for growth you have until it hits you in the face like that you know Right. You know, we have, we have unlimited room for growth is, is, is what I believe. I believe we're limitless beings ultimately uh, that are inhabiting these, these, these costumes, these spacesuits that we're in. Uh, so uh, uh, we, have, we have so much room for growth. And that's one of the, you know, one of the great things that I sort of came to in the past X amount of months here is just letting go of the idea that I knew anything. I mean, that really started a few years ago. You know, I had a podcast for a little while called Jimmy Jacobs Doesn't Know because it was like, it was all I was about a huge fan of that show, man. I loved it. I loved it, bro. It was all like, well, maybe I don't know anything. And that's really started to hit a full stride. Now I go, yeah, of course I don't know anything. Of course my view on reality is incomplete and inaccurate. Of course. And Part of me feels bad when I see people that really just think they know, think that they're so sure of something. And I just go, yeah, I'm not so sure about that because <laughs> as you start to open your mind to things, you look around and you see that there's 
there's different people, different experts, let's say, different that, that say all sorts of different things. And you can stand in the middle and go, well, this sounds pretty good and this sounds pretty good. I don't know which, which one it is, but, but I'm sort of open to, to, to it. And, and now I live in a world that's much more exciting because of that, because I don't go, well, of course this, of course. It's like, not of course anything, man. Yeah. Like, who, who knows what's going on here? Yeah, and the more you, the more you think you know, the less you allow yourself to be open to understanding what you don't know. You know, <laughs> exactly. so it, it's um, it's such a burden off to to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know about this. Of, of course, I I can only have my perspective on it, and I'm gonna you know, if something's important to me, I can spend the time and effort and energy to 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 really dig deep and go, okay, um, what do I, what do I believe? What is my perspective on this? And, and, uh, and then you just live the best you can, man. That's, that's all. I, uh, I want to get in the ring of honor, uh, if, if we can. And you, you really were one of the staples of ring of honor during the period of time where it really jumped off the page and became a, a national name. Uh, it was after that, you know, post ECW uh, phase where everybody was, at least in Philly, I think it was per personally for me, I, you know, seeing the flyers all over the boulevard and all and always getting excited for it. It felt like ECW only in the sense that it had that cult Philly following uh, and that grassroots kind of uh, base. But obviously, I'm not comparing the, the in-ring style or anything like that. But as far as just filling that void of a non-WWF indie promotion that's bigger than the indies almost, um, you were a huge part of the reason why it was such a, a big thing at the time and, and why it remains a big uh, promotion and brand name to this day. And uh, you had most of your time there in uh in the the mid to, to late two th uh, 2000s you one of the hugest storylines that you had during that early time uh dealt with the Lacey's angels and that was kind of a a running thing with you and Lacey pretty much through uh weaving in and out of your uh roh career when did you when you did that debut of the uh the age of the fall and you hung up Jay Briscoe. Did you know it was going to be as big uh, and make as big of a splash and as big of a controversy as it ended up making at the time? I mean, I was hoping it would. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that summer, me and Gabe Sapolsky and Tyler Black, now Seth Rollins, spent a lot of time, you know, crafting what the age of the fall was and and you know, doing sort of a viral marketing campaign so for it. And so, and a lot of time was spent on what the debut is going to look like. In retrospect, you know, I've got some regrets about how we did it. Um, only in that if I could do it all over again, I, you know, I spent four or five minutes cutting a promo underneath Jay Briscoe. I didn't realize at the time. And, and now I realize, I look back and go, oh, all I need to do is stand there. And I didn't just say anything. If I could do it all over again, I would just stood there for two minutes and just gone, you know, after the end of two minutes, I would have said, you know, Project 161 is over. The age of the fall has just begun. And that's it. Uh, at the time, I felt, oh, after this buildup, this viral marketing campaign, we need to give them this explanation to it. And the words didn't matter. 
you know, you, it, it's funny, you go into something thinking it's one thing and then you come out of it going, oh, it wasn't that. This wasn't the time for me to cut this promo that people would, you know, remember what I said. Nobody remembers what the hell I said. They remember I hung a guy and I was wearing white and the blood doll just came down all, all over me. And that was it. It was that visual, that visceral thing. Um, so, so I've got some regrets. And I, and I remember even at the time, I, I, I sort of realized that almost, um, almost right away going, ah, damn, that wasn't the right call. But the visual was so strong that it sort of made up for that miscalculation of, of, of some of the execution. Um, but Definitely a, a lot of time is put into figuring out, you know, what to do and how to debut it. And I think uh, we're talking about it 13 years later. So uh, it did all right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's weird to hear you talk about it with such a critical eye because it went over so fabulously that, you know, it's, uh, it definitely was a, I would, I would think you hit it out of the park. Um, but before, and I'm, I'm sure you probably answer a lot of questions about what it was like to, to team with Tyler Black and that process. But before I get into that at all, I want to ask what it was like to uh, work the road and, and, and be working with Necro Butcher. Oh, and, Necro was great. I, he, yeah. he was the guy. So when, when Gabe and I, uh, Gabe wanted me to, you know, uh, lead a band of misfits, mm -hmm. more or less. And and which ended up being the age of the fall and um necro butcher was the one guy that he and i both were like necro butcher necro butcher yes for sure he so he was the sort of number one draft pick of mm -hmm. of the bunch and necro was such a a unique character with a unique aura i mean necro butcher you're talking about you know, from 2005 six seven um eight was like Anybody versus Necro Butcher was like a dream match. It's like, oh, can you imagine Necro Butcher? Because he was so interesting and so unique. You know, the matches that he had with Samoa Joe at the ECW arena for uh, Ivy Mid-South was just amazing. I mean, Necro and anybody would have been awesome. So it was great to, to have him around. He was um, just a unique presence and a unique character. Sure. Um... When it came to Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, would you prefer to be teaming with him or in the ring feuding against them? I liked teaming with him because he was athletic and innovative and uh, I could stand on the apron while he did a bunch of stuff. <laughs> if, you watch, if you watch some of our matches, it's a bit of that. Um, you know, at the time, I was still, you know, he was still young enough and I was experienced enough where me being with him um, help, helped him out uh, like I could help lead the matches in you know with the psychology of them let's say with the storytelling of them uh, things like that um, and the trade-off was that uh, Tyler could do a bunch of in-ring stuff and, mm -hmm. and could be really athletic so combined and at the time I had you know more of a name than he did so we could bring him in uh, and he could be attached to somebody that that people knew Mm -hmm. as well so i i was a benefit to him in, in that he was certainly a benefit uh to me in his exciting in-ring style which you know I, I was on the lower end of that i would say uh generally you know compared to a lot of the other talents in ring of honor uh, so yeah uh, our, our matches i don't think our matches nobody would say that they were like great matches. i don't think anybody had looked at me and tyler against each other I don't think we, it was good. It was always good, but 
never, never next level, I guess. Okay. Now you had left in 2009. We're doing, you know, your own thing. And then you came back in 2011 and the, the roster that was there just in that period of time was, you know, same, same, but different a little bit. Um, very, very different in, in the sense. And did you feel like it was coming home when you came back in 2011 or did it feel like it was a whole new, whole new ball game? I thought it was coming home. Uh, I, I didn't know. I came back the same day that they announced that Sinclair Broad, Broadcasting Group uh, bought the company. Okay. And, and so I thought I was coming home and then it kind of ended up being like, oh, I'm coming back to something completely different. Uh, so it was, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. When, um, when you were, now, now I mentioned earlier, ROH is nothing like ECW just, um, except for the, you know, the location and, and the, the passionate fans, but you were, uh, you, you had some time in CZW, which is another Philly. Well now I guess more Jersey based promotion now. Um, but that really is more along the lines of what, what ECW used to be like. And, um, what, what's, What's it like to go from, from one to the other? Is there a whole lot of difference in, I guess, the locker room there in those promotions? Or I, mean, it- I, only, I only did a little bit of CZW in you know, 2003 into 2004. And then, I mean, again, maybe I did a show for them 2012 and then a, a couple in, when I came back in 2017. Right. Uh, so when, when I was there for that first short, maybe six, six month, seven month run, I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really enjoy it. Okay. I had, I had gotten into, there was an altercation. I, I got in with um, Sabian, Black G's, and that sort of spiraled pretty quickly. And I, I ended up leaving, what, I think it was like March of 04. I came maybe in August or September of 03 and, and left in 04. I, yeah, it, at, at that point in my career, it didn't, it didn't really click with okay. would uh would you like to talk about wrestling society x at all because that's something that cass and i have an interest in Dude, ev- almost every podcast i go on they're, they're, they're like hey, ah, yeah society. They, yeah it, it's got this this real like underground it does man it's such cult. a underground cult following and it, i remember watching it when it happened and i just I didn't appreciate it like I should have, I guess, when it was on. And now I just – I love talking about it for some reason. I love it, man. It, it's certainly a very unique project and sort of an anomaly in, in, in wrestling in a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, the fact that they got pro wrestling on, on MTV was just – you got to give it to you know, Kevin Kleinrock and the people at Big Vision Entertainment for, for, for pulling that off and for doing it. And it was just so uh, – you know, the quick cuts and the cinematic stuff and, you know, the piranha tanks and the explosions. It was a little bit ahead of its time, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's why people keep talking about it so much because it's the kind of thing where you could – like I could see it getting signed and put on Netflix and people watching it now and binging on it. And uh, it's, I, w- one of the questions that I had was if, if it hadn't folded at the end of the first season and it was at least – green lit for a second season do you think the added content of that second season could have been enough to get it over the hall and make it a success for a long you know semi-long term i mean I, th- there are so many factors and, and 
I'm sure many of which I am unaware of, uh, certainly in, in totality. I don't think we have the support of the network. And I think that that's a, uh, a key factor in, in success. I mean, they ran us, I think we ran three weeks in a row and then off a week, then on a week, then off a week. And then they like did a five episode marathon. And so aired nine out of the 10 episodes. And, you know, there was no replays. There was no promotion. I think we had one commercial that we were part of the, you know, the 10 spotted on, on, on Tuesday nights, the Bam Margera's wedding and something else and something else. And at 1030 Wrestling And so it was a super, we, so if you don't have promotion from, from the network, you don't have support of the people in the network. It's, it's difficult to really get something uh, off the ground. And I think that's um, uh, likely a, a very large contributing factor as to you know, how the show was, was handled and, and to somewhat its success. Yeah, it's such a shame because you, you feel like whenever you hear about that where you get a good idea that gets on a big network and has a good platform, it, it usually ends up being that network platform that ends up being the, the reason why it's its downfall and not the, the locker room or anything on the, the people in the ring. It's so, I mean, it's so weird. It's, it, it was as if they agreed to put pro wrestling on their network and then as soon as they signed the contract, we're like, why the hell do we agree to put pro wrestling on our network, guys? Um, and there was a bit of a shakeup, I, like after the, God, something happened. I mean, th this, is, this is, you know, 13 plus years ago, you know, almost 14, we taped it 14 years ago now. I mean, probably right now, it was November of 2006. Yeah, I was out in LA for 10 days doing this. And uh, I think there was a shakeup after like week three some like one of the guys who, who the one guy we did have supporting us uh at mtv like left or oh. you know, i mean these are the stories you hear at the time you go oh we're, we're screwed so well you i mean at the same time you have been you were doing a lot of other indie promotions and the one thing that i thought was interesting about the the small stints that you had in evolve insanity pro wrestling uh pro wrestling ohio which is now prime wrestling you were wrestling guys who are now the the big names. I mean, you wrestled Johnny Gargano in Evolve. You wrestled Chuck Taylor in Evolve. You wrestled um, Johnny Gargano again in Pro Wrestling Ohio. There was one other one I had here that I thought was so interesting. Um, you, uh, oh, Sammy Callahan and Ray Phoenix. These are all guys that you see every week now. And it's, you know, they're guys that basically started out in the ring with you kind of teaching them the ropes and you're still so young. Is there anything that is, do you have any kind of, I don't want to say resentment or, or um, animosity, but is there any type of ill feelings about seeing these guys still in the ring doing their thing? And, and you are so young. Do you, do you ever get that urge to think oh, I could still do this too and jump in? No, I mean, Look, I still love performing and I, I, I wrestle on shows that, you know, people book me for still. Um, I'm, I just was uh, wrestling for IW Mid-South maybe a month or so ago. I'm, oh, I'm, really? Yeah, going back there in December. Okay. And I was doing shows up in um, Canada for CWE. So I, st I still okay. perform sometimes and I still do love performing. Um, but the, like, look, the idea of, of wrestling at NXT or Ring of Honor or AEW, that sounds like 
that sounds like hell to me, man. Yeah. And, and, and that's just not saying, Oh, oh cause I want to be there. Cause, cause that's not true. Um, I, I didn't like wrestling for ring of honor when I was wrestling for ring of honor, which is to say nothing against ring of honor. I just, I hated, I hated doing that style. I hated trying to keep up. I hated like, that was never what I loved about wrestling. That's never what I loved doing. Uh, I love, like, I still love doing like small shows in front of, you know, small audience. Like I, I love house show wrestling. Yeah. Like if I go to a WWE house show, or a, you know, I remember like about 10 years ago, TNA was doing, you know, pretty big house shows. And I remember watching it just being so jealous and going, ah, that's what I wanted to. I want to be on TV just so I can then go and, and, and do house show wrestling. That's what I, that's what I love doing. I, I never liked you know, a ring of honor just knowing, okay, well, they saw the last match, and it's likely they saw the match before that, and always changing the stuff, and always trying to create new stuff in the ring. Some guys love that. Some guys, they love this, the innovation in the ring, and the, um, and the creativeness in, in doing new stuff in the ring. I love being in the moment, and, and playing with people, and having bits that I do. That's what I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so these guys that are as successful as they are they got what they deserve man they're these are these are great talented guys and they they grinded and they put in the effort and they put in the work i never liked doing a lot of that stuff i never liked yeah I, like the idea of being an nxt now sounds like hell to me that's it, it really really does and those guys are amazing performers and you see them out especially on those big um what are they called takeovers okay like, mm -hmm. amazing uh but oh jeez! I remember I, wa I watched like the first AEW show, and I watched it. And who was who was it first? What was the first? Uh, match? Uh, Cody, Cody and uh, Sammy. Oh, Sammy. Sammy. Oh, Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sammy Guevara. And I was watching that, just going, "Man, I'm so glad that's not me in the ring right now." <laughs> just like like I, I that sort of maybe it's that sort of pressure doesn't. Um, appeal to me and that pressure of course certainly comes from within so maybe that's just some inner work i have to do but uh yeah man yeah i no, no resentment towards anybody for their success that's 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 for sure short answer to your question there and uh and you know conversely to that it, I, you got to have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of uh a, a sense of um pride in seeing these guys that really cut their teeth with you doing so well now because you really are i mean you're a legend in the business you have such a a long uh, a long resume of the stuff that you've done uh, and where you've been. Uh, are, are you, not, and, and not just in the ring too, because you have a history of working behind the scenes, producing, writing, uh, all of that. Uh, and you've been working with Impact uh, most recently, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, you know, writing for Impact now about three years, right? It's almost exactly three years. I, I came in in November of, uh, of 2017, right after I, I left doing creative for, for WWE. Yeah, man, dude, I, I'm grateful to have played any role in these, in these guys' careers, right? Look, all, all, all of them would have done amazing whether I was there or not, you know? But it's, it's, it is nice to, um, 
you know, just to, to be able to, to see these guys coming through and, and whatever small role I played, I'm grateful to uh, be able to do that. And, and yeah, now it's, it's great to sort of pass, I say pass down my knowledge. I don't know if that's quite right, but to work with younger talent as, as, they're, as they're coming up now and, uh, and just all the talent and, and writing the TV and, you know, coming up with things for the guys to do and, and, and seeing them blossom, seeing them grow and seeing them come into their own is, is really nice. You, you hear people say that you hear guys like, you know, remember like Paul Heyman saying that when you see a talent, you know, really blossom into their own and become something they didn't even know they were capable of becoming. Um, and, and you start to see that and you start to see what that, what that looks like when you have somebody that, isn't a very good talker, isn't a very good character or wasn't. And then they find themselves. And once you find yourself, uh, you, you, you just come out into the world as opposed to trying to be something. You just you, you sort of are, you are what you are and you, and you accentuate that and figure out ways to do that. And seeing characters, you know, somebody like, I think about like Taya Valkyrie a lot, um, who, um, you know, has had a few different iterations and, you know, we had her in as a baby face a couple of years ago and, you know, but then she became a heel and she just found herself. Now she's like one of the best characters on her show. Now she's one of the characters that I can just say, hey, uh, this is kind of what we're doing. And she just takes it. And it's like, great. The less work I do, the better. Not because I'm lazy, because I can never be Taya Valkyrie like Taya Valkyrie can be Taya Valkyrie. So if, if everybody can just sort of be themselves and, and know how to do that, um, it's better for everybody. So it, it's awesome. It's awesome to play a, play a part in anybody's career. Yeah, and I don't want to uh, ask a question to make you feel like you got to crap on your, your time writing in WWE, but I get the, that sense from the way that storylines, when I watch Impact, I, I, I feel that there's more freedom in the way that people are able to get their characters across, get their promos across. Uh, do you as a writer – uh, feel a little bit of freedom in being able to get your stuff across the way you want to see it. I know that it's a team process and everything is a creative process with a group. Uh, but do, do you feel, um, I, I, w I guess, creatively satisfied where you're at now and impact? Like, of, of course there's more freedom. I mean, look, Vince runs his show the way he runs his show and he's allowed to do that because it's his show. Um, but something Vince does is he micromanages things and he micromanages a, a lot to, I believe to a detriment. And I would, I would say there's probably other people that believe that as well, but it's his show and he gets to micromanage as much as he wants to micromanage. And I think that reflects on uh, adversely on the product a lot. I'm sure sometimes, look, I'm sure sometimes it, it helps, uh, but he wants to show the way he wants to show and an impact. It's just nice to be able to try stuff, even if it, even if it ultimately doesn't work. And, and I'm, I'm sometimes talking about big things, sometimes talking about little things. So, you know, I remember doing a, a shot with like Matt Seidel in Impact Wrestling. And, you know, he was going to be interviewed. And we just decided to have him do it where he's like, you know, sitting all like in this, you know, yoga posture and is uh, cross-legged. And instead of standing up to talk to the interviewer, the interviewer went down and he's like, come sit with me. And she, you know, sits with him. And I remember doing that. And I didn't have to, first of all, I didn't have to ask anybody, hey, is it okay if we have the interviewer sit down? 
with Matt. I didn't have to ask anybody. I was able to just do it. And, you know, I'm not saying we're changing the world, but it's, it's the freedom to do something like that and without worried about, uh, hey, uh, hey, Chris, can you, uh, can you come to Gorilla after you, uh, after you shoot a pre-tape that Vince doesn't like? You have to go to Gorilla. God, why, why was she sitting? Oh, you know, (laughs) and so when you have that sort of environment, when you're just trying to not get in trouble, basically, it doesn't encourage people to try new things. It doesn't encourage people to, to aim for the stars. It encourages people to go, well, I'm pretty sure Vince won't yell about this. Yeah. And so it's, it's, so it's far more, um, you know, I don't want to say I can do whatever I want at Impact, but you know I, I'm able to do a lot at Impact. Yeah, but I, I'm sure that breeds just a better overall feeling. It's like we were saying earlier: when you have that kind of creative flexibility, you have a better disposition. When you have a better disposition, then everybody else around you has a better disposition. It breeds a better environment. Um, yeah, and, and, and if you do something that doesn't work, it's a discussion afterwards. You know, one of my bosses will be like, "Hey." Why, why was this? I was like, yeah, I was trying this. And it's like, okay, well, we don't want it like that. It's like, okay, and that's fine. And so there's no you know, worry that the crazy man's going to go, oh, Jesus, guys know what he's doing. Get rid of him or, or whatever you're scared of uh, when, you're, when you're working at WWE. And the other thing that I love about Impact is that I can just the – thing the thing that I didn't like probably the most about WWE – I liked working there. I didn't like working for Vince. And, and part of what that meant is that it, it was often that you weren't, that I wasn't, I think, generally speaking, people aren't judged by the, by the quality of their work, but judged by Vince's idiosyncrasy. Mm-hmm. So I might have a good idea, but if, if I'm wearing a pink tie when I say this idea, then, then well, who cares? He's wearing a pink tie. You know, at Impact, look, man, I'm the way I am, whatever that means. I'll be, I'll, you know, I produce promos and I'll, I'll sit on the floor as I'm producing them or, or whatever. You know, I couldn't imagine, you know, sitting on the ground producing at WWE. You know, I don't have to wear a, a damn, you know, suit every day to try to pretend that we're in this corporate environment. Right. Uh, and so there's just, when you feel as though you can be yourself, uh, when I feel as though I can be myself, I, I feel like I can create better. And that's certainly a impact has, has that just the environment where I can go, okay, cool. What are we doing here? As opposed to, being like, Oh no, will, will the crazy man be mad about this? And I can't imagine that's unique to you. I mean, I know I'm the same way. I think everybody would be the same way, you know, the, uh, the more, and it's not just freedom, but the more um, people trust you to make the right decisions yourself and not feel like you need to conform to the only way that it can possibly be done. But anyway, let's get off that. Let's get into some, some current wrestling and, and where we're at now because uh, there's so – even despite the, the whole pandemic, there's still so much wrestling to be absorbed. And when you're not working on impact or you're not working with uh, – your, your own scheduling with matches that you're doing. What do you like to sit down and watch just to unwind with um, wrestling related? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't watch any. No. Okay. no. Wrestling plays a very different role in my life now than it used to play. It used to be like the thing that was like 
you know, I was so passionate about and the thing I, I, I aspired to, and as such, it sort of had this control over me. And I really let go a lot of that. Now, now wrestling is something that I can enjoy being a part of. I can enjoy being in the, you know, in the performance aspect of it. I can enjoy being the creative aspect of it. I can enjoy being around people who are passionate and, and following their dreams. But it's, it's something that, you know, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of wrestling in my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I'm sure. And to, and, and I don't, I generally don't feel, feel, you know, compelled to go, Oh, what's, what's going on with this or here? You know, if my buddies are doing something, maybe I'll check out uh, what, what Sammy Zane or Kevin Owens are, are, are doing. Um, but, but other than, you know, things like that, you know, I checked out AEW when it first came up. It's like, hell yeah, man, young bucks like doing it. Like mm-hmm. good, good for those guys. And so, if, if I watch anything now, it's more as of um, cheering on my, my, my friends and going like, heck yeah, look at them doing it. Good for those guys. Yeah, definitely. But now when you pick the, the matches that, that you set yourself up for and schedule for moving forward, uh, current day, is that something where you pick your opponent or people come to you with, hey, we want to sign you for this date. Uh, we're thinking about having you with this person. And then you just say, yeah, that's good. Or it's not going to happen. Yeah, I just, okay. You know, I go, yeah, man, you want to play here? Like, um, you know, at, at the age I'm at now, I kind of go, hey, this is, this is what I, this is what I need to come in. And if you want to do it, great. If you don't, fine too. That, that's okay. It's just sort of, you know, boundaries as a human being to go, hey, this is, if you want to join, the, if you want to play with, in my party, here, here are the rules to the party. I would love to play with you uh, if, if that's cool with you. And so, yeah, that's what goes on. I, uh, I want to get away from wrestling for a little bit then, if that's okay, because I just, damn, man, I just love hearing you speak about life. You have just such a great mentality, and I, uh, I'm i not even going to think about the questions. What, what do you do on a day off when you just have I, I, nothing to worry about? I, I have, you know, that's a, especially, again, with this, um, with all these shutdowns and which the way the, the world has seemingly changed, I've had a lot of days off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the last months, I, I've, I've really just gained a, um, a, you know, I've got a laundry list of practices that I have that I do most days or, or sometimes daily, uh, you know, like when I, when I wake up, I, um, there, there's a video of it on my, on my Instagram, but uh, I used, I, I was, I was doing cold showers for a while, right? And I was also doing grounding. Grounding is, you know, connecting your yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bare feet to the, yeah. yeah. And, and so then there's this practice that sort of combines the two, which is called water, uh, I'm sorry, uh, cold dowsing. And it's from uh, the Sistema practice. Sistema is a, is a Russian martial art. And I've been working okay. with, my, uh, with Sistema and not necessarily the martial arts aspect of it, but like the breathing and letting go of tension, all, all these sort of, like this is the sort of stuff I'm into. So he got me on cold dowsing. And so it's like, you go in the, in the earth barefoot, you take a bucket of ice water and you just let go of all the tension in your body. And you just slowly pour the bucket of ice water over you and you just you, it you know to wash away you do it with the intention of washing away the negative energy and the stagnant energy and the energetic blocks and things like that and so every day and it, and it wakes up you know it alerts yourselves too you so it, it, it's 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 waking up and going 
here we are, as well as washing all that and down through Mother Earth to recycle that energy through the Earth. And uh, so it's it's things like that. I, I have a you know I do qigong almost on a daily basis. I got I really got into Wim Hof breathing too this uh, over this time, and that that was actually that was a that was part of the start of a, a huge transformation as I started to do Wim Hof's uh, uh, breath work. Are you familiar with Wim Hof? Um, not specifically Wim Hof, but I, I want to let you go and then I'll speak yeah. to just breathing in general, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Breathing in general, man. Breathing's really important. And the way you breathe is really important. And Wim Hof, uh, he, the Iceman, he's like a 61 year old guy from Holland who, you know, has climbed Mount Everest in nothing but shorts, you know, barefoot. And he holds the, you know, his book of world records for like longest time in ice water, you know, things like this. And he had, he developed this breathing technique, learning, learning to do so through the cold. And, you know, part of it is just inhaling more than you exhale, exhale more or less. And that uh, oxygenates your blood. And it, it and as you as you do these 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 breathing techniques, as I would start to do them, I started to see how much effect just breathing differently can have on my body. And as I started to see that, it made me go, "Man, I don't know anything about my body. I don't know anything about how this works. If I can change my body this much just with the way I breathe, like." What else do I not know? I like I don't know anything about this. So part of my, you know, dive this, you know, over the summer was just starting to learn about how my body, mind, soul, how the complex works, how, how like how this structure works, and that's you know this 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 guy I'm, I'm working with in, in Systema. That's a lot of what we what we've worked on, and just getting back into my body for for the first time, and just appreciating it and and learning how to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. My, uh, I was looking up just really quick. I wanted to make sure I got the name right. Um, but speaking to what you were saying, so when you said Wim Hof, I thought that was a, a technique, which it is. It is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I, I forgot that it was also the name of, of the guy you were speaking of. Um, my brother is a physical therapist who is very big into postural restoration, which is a, a type of specific type of physical therapy that deals so much with breathing and the connectivity between your vision, your dental uh, uh, construction, and also your podiatry and your feet. So grounding is so important to that. And breathing overall, just like you said, it's, it, it changes everything in the way your body works, the way your blood flows, the way your organs work, being able to, to turn on certain muscle groups in your body that haven't been turned on so that other muscle groups that are overworked can get some, some, you know, relaxation and, and some breathe, you know, some breathing room. But it's so important. People don't realize. And you know, one thing that I always think is funny is people always get down on themselves for how overweight they are and, and uh, can't lose weight without realizing how much of that is actually inflammation and how, if you change the way you breathe and you change, uh, you know, people take these big long inhales and then a short exhale and they don't realize all that air is trapped in there. And if you can just change your breathing structure, you, it's crazy to look in the mirror and then be like, Oh, did I just, lose a couple of pounds? No, you didn't lose any weight, but you look different. Um, it's, but it's not just looking different. It's, it's feeling different. It's, it's just everything that you feel when your body's working for you, as opposed to, you know, working in spite of you. Right. Your, your, your body wants to be in harmony. Your body wants to be in balance. And, uh, 
um, you know, just as I start to learn how to take care of it, how to move it, how to stretch it, how to, you know, to, to just do all these things, like what to put into it. You know, we, we live in this world where, you know, and I'm guilty of it. It's like, I've got this phone and, um, and I can press a button and somebody just delivers me food. And I have no idea where that food came from. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's in it. And uh, it really disconnects you from learning how to take care of yourself. It disconnects you from the process of, of, of living. And so it, it's been really great for me to, you know, God, I mean, there, there's so many things you can change with just breathing. And breath is life. There's, there's no doubt about it. And as you start, as, as I start to explore this stuff, you, I start to realize how not just important, but like profound um, these things are and how, oh, how about this? How about this? When, when this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 thing started happening, uh, I heard an interview with Wim Hof uh on russell brand's podcast where he said yeah yeah it, it, infect me with it no problem no problem you can infect me with it like I, my, my guys will fight him off no problem he his, his immune system he says is is, is that strong it's that strong through the use of cold and through the use of breath now i'm not saying that's true but let's just consider let's consider the idea that if you change the way you breathe Let's consider the idea that if you strengthen your immune system, that is the solution to everything that's going on. That actually you and mother nature together have the power to, to work in, in balance, in harmony, to create health. That, and you start to think like, wait a minute, that, that could be the answer to all this? Not, not hiding in your house and, and wearing a mask and sanitizing everything and making sure you stay away from everybody and fear everything and fear everybody else and that person would be a danger to you and oh my God, what's going on? Oh, go look at the numbers. They're getting higher. They're getting higher. Breathing mm-hmm. could, you know, and, and yeah. And, I, you know, I, I, I tend to believe Wim Hof. I tend to believe in general that, you know, in, in the middle of what is being considered a pandemic, a health crisis, that the, the, the conversation should be about health yeah. and taking care yeah. of ourselves. And um, when you realize you have the power, you and, you and you know, along with the, the planet, your environment, mother, have, have the power to create a balance, create a harmony um, where there's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think, you know, I think people are much more, I don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I would like to think that people are so much more open to the idea of holistic medicine now, as opposed to maybe 15 years ago, because more and more cases you see it works that, you know, it's, it's not a hundred percent guarantee, but nothing is a hundred percent guarantee, but you see cases just like you said of, you know, you don't need a surgery to fix a knee problem. We can fix it in different different methods alternative methods you don't need all these different pills to fix you know issue a b or c if we just change different things in your lifestyle and and you know the, and change it that way and these types of holistic treatments predate america you know so there's a there's a history of it working that predates america i i myself have an allergy to uh 
well, a bunch of different stuff, a lot of different types of fruits, cats. When I was a senior in college, my buddies decided to get a cat and like, we weren't allowed to have it in the dorm, but they snuck them in. And I was allergic, but the cat was so cute that I was like, oh, you know, it's going to happen. But I would just get itchy all over the place. And my brother, the, the physical therapist, he recommended a holistic doctor that deals with that kind of allergy treatment. All it was, was uh, it was acupuncture in specific spots and then over-the-counter supplements specifically designed to attack my allergy to cats. And for the whole rest of the year, it was two or three treatments of that and taking these over-the-counter supplements and I was fine. The end of the year, cat could like come up, cuddle with me in bed. I would be fine on my skin. Absolutely no issues. Yeah. And, and, and of course, of course, this, this stuff is is ancient and we have this notion that you know we only learn to start to take care of different things in the last hundred years and it's like this is look modern medicine has its place no doubt but there's some myths with modern medicine and it's it's it 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 has created a, a, a paradigm this this idea that if something is wrong with you he, we have this pill for it and, and that's it. And that's the answer. And this is something that I was confronted with this, this year. You know, I was on antidepressants for, you know, I don't know, for 10 years. And part of Wim Hof breathing was the impetus where I finally got off antidepressants. Okay. And, and, and people, you know, look, and look, they held space for me. They, they did, um, they, they worked for me when I didn't think I was capable of, of, of doing it for myself. And uh, I was able to get off of off of that, you know. And it's a, it's a drug. It is, right. it is a drug. And again, not to say it doesn't have utility, it doesn't have function, because it had utility and function for me for for a very long time. But I realized there's something like this is an answer, but it's not the answer. Yeah. The answer lies within me. The answer lies within the the heart harmonizing the energy of, of, of me and, and, and the and universe together. That's, that's, you know, and so, I mean, that's a lot of where these practices started to come from. That's when I started doing, you know, Qigong, Wim Hof breathing and, and, and things like that. And a lot of meditation. And I feel better than I ever have in my life. Um, so the answer doesn't necessarily come in, in a cheap and easy, you know, not necessarily cheap, but an easy pill where you go, oh, good. Now, now I'm better. You know, it's this, it's this fast food uh, going like, okay, great. I can press a button on my phone and somebody delivers me food. I can give it, I can go to my doctor. He can tell me what's wrong with me. He can give me a pill. And, and that's, that's the solution as opposed to saying, Hey, there is like, there's more going on than just, you know, the, the big business of big pharma where, yeah. you know, and, and that's the, that's the solution to think. And, and then starting to, uh, starting to realize that and, I mean, that's a lot of what this, this journey in the last few months has been about, is going, okay, um, how does this operate? How does this work? How can I maintain health? Um, and, you know, we have, we have a bunch of people that are, that are scared of, a, you know, this invisible thing that they're selling to us. And I'm not saying it isn't what they say it is or anything like that. I'm saying you, you have, you have the, ability to to create health with yourself exactly yeah no it's it's and, and so much of it is like we've been saying throughout this whole interview it's 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 personal growth and there's a time where uh certain medications or, or or certain processes are the best thing for you and then you grow to a point where you can 
attack it differently. And it's yeah. not to say and, that, yeah. And the, the point, the point in, in, in those things, the point in anything should be to, to get you off that thing eventually, you yeah. know? Yeah. It, it really should. So I, I guess I'm suspicious. And this, look, again, this is just where I'm at in my journey today. In five years, I might look back at me and go, oh, God, you were so stupid. You didn't know anything. This is whatever. I'm just saying, I'm just saying where I'm at in my journey today, anything that um, tells me to be scared, anything that uh, disempowers me, gives my power to something else, uh, you know, whether that, whether that's a pill or a, or, or, or a government or, or anything like that, anything that tells me to be scared, give my power away, or, or divides me from other people, tells me I should be angry at something else, you know, wants me to put blame on something or somebody, like all that, I'd go, to it. That's, that, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious as, as fuck to anything that, that tries to give me that narrative. Cause that's, that's not where, that's not where I'm at. Where I'm at is going, the power lies inside of you. The power lies inside of me. We are all one. Um, and, and, and fear is just an illusion because what is fear? But fear, I mean, ultimately is fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of non-existence. But you go, well, it's going to happen to everybody. There's nothing to fear. So anybody that's trying to sell me fear of death, it's like, get over it, man. Everybody dies. Like, we need to embrace that. Fuck, we need to embrace that. Everybody, we're all going to die. Yes. There's the good news. No matter what you do, <laughs> death is coming for you. So this illusion, the illusion of safety, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it because death is the end. So great. Now that we know that, can we move on? Yeah. Because it can only get better from there, right? Right. <laughs> once, once you go, isn't something to fear. Um, then you, 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 you stop having to worry about, oh, no, when, when is the time coming? Oh, no, oh, no. It's, it's like, yeah, cool. Let me accept that. Because only, to, to, only through acceptance can you transcend something. I mean, really, the only, basically the only way out is, you know, th out is through, right? You have to go through something. I can't, I can't go around death and go, oh, well, let me just, you know, circumnavigate. It's like, no, you got to go right into it. You have to, con I mean, that's what life is. You confront the fear. You confront the thing in front of you. You don't hide from the fear. That is what, I mean, you know, that is, that is what the, the story, at least part of the story of, of Jesus was, is that in order that you, you confront life in all its unfairness, uh, all its injustice, you bear your cross, you take the pain, and in doing so, in accepting it willingly, you transcend it. You, the, the old you dies and the new you is born. And you don't have to believe in any of the metaphysics of it. I, 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 I don't. I'm just saying the story of it. And, and that is the story of, of how to live. It's the story of how to live, to go... You know, it's, I, one of my favorite quotes is Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. It's like, yes. What you fear, what you fear, like in my life now, what I fear is what I know I need to do. I know I need to walk through that. And once, once you walk through that, you walk then past that fear and then you transcend it and then you become something greater. And, um, and, and so any, anything, any entity that sells me fear, and I say, uh, not, not for me, not for me, because fear isn't something to be avoided, something to be confronted with, something to be accepted, go, great bring it on. Let's do this. And that's what life is. And that's the best way. That's the 
the, the optimal way to live it. I, I guess that's what I, that's what I believe. And that's what I'm finding. And, and also fear and, and, and being scared and all that stuff. It's super bad for your health too. It puts, it puts stress on your body. It puts, you know, it, it, it puts you into this false survival mode, which, uh, you know, with act, activates your, your sympathetic nervous system. And then you're in this kind of like this, this extended fight or flight, uh, which would just put stress on your body. And what's, what's stress, what's stress causes disease, dis-ease is stress. It's like, you know, it's terrible for you, right? So all this to say, uh, fuck fear, man. Let's live our lives. You, uh, this is going to sound <laughs> corny as hell, but you gave me goosebumps in what you were saying there. That last one literally gave me goosebumps. And I realized that I'm just like tranced just listening to what you're saying there. And then I, I had looked down for like an hour, bro. I'm just like, oh, I love this fucking interview. I don't even need to talk. I'm just going to sit here and just nod because everything <laughs> is just great. This is, yeah, no, I love that's, it. That's another thing too, though, because I usually try to be good with keeping my eye on the clock to watch the time so we don't go over. And I feel bad because I'm looking, I'm like, we've kept this poor guy on for over an hour <laughs> already. I, uh, and, and, and I would be more than happy to keep you on for another three hours and not say a word, just listen to you talk because I'll tell you what, if, Thank God that wrestling happened for you because you definitely left a huge, huge mark on it. But if you ended up going the law school route, you could have worked me over on a jury with the way you speak. And if you ever, I, I never saw myself as joining a cult, but I could literally yeah. follow your teachings the way that you speak. So um, these aren't my teachings. These are all ancient things. Well, right. these, are, these are all things that are, that is, is wisdom that has, has been there through, through, through so much time, and we, we have lost track sometimes, and we get so consumed into our little points of view. We get so consumed with our perspective, and we confuse our perspective with reality that you just open your eyes, open your horizon just a little bit, and start to see the, the infinite, infinite, existence that we live in this we, we're, we're surrounded by infinity and 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 not confined by by a small little perspective and as you start just expand a little bit more uh, it becomes a lot more freeing and a lot more fun and you have a lot more to to give and again i'm not saying i'm right about anything i'm just sharing my you know where i'm at right now and where i'm at right now I'm loving it. So <laughs> that makes me happy to hear. Same. And, uh, and well, it makes, it makes me very happy to hear. And, and also you don't need to say that you're right. I'll say it for you to anybody that listens to us. This man is right. And if you don't <laughs> think so, don't even listen to us. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. No argument <laughs> um, for me either. No argument here. Listen, I, I, apologize in advance for when I blow up your DM in the future to try to get you to come back on for the follow-up. But before we let you go, I have two really random questions for you. Uh, one of which you, you briefly mentioned camping at the top of the interview. If, if you could go, I, I love camping and I, the things that we talked about as far as just deep uh, self-reflection and grounding yourself, working on breathing. I always feel that I am more at peace and able to do that with a clear mind when I'm in nature. I'm very fortunate to be like right across the street from a park. Uh, so I can go into the, the woods on the trail and, and be at peace there. But when you go, if you could camp anywhere in the country right now, limited to the country since, you know, we're, we are where we are or where we are, uh, 
if you could do a, a camping trip anywhere in the country, where would you go? Dude, I have no idea. Look, I, I just went camping like for the first time a, a few months ago. Oh, really? Oh, wow. oh okay. Because like this, I was a guy that was, you know, probably like a lot of other people. I was like, oh, no, I'm an inside person. I'm just going to, you know, stay in the thing. In, in, in the thing that I'm comfortable doing. And as I started to get more of an appreciation of nature and more of a, you know, I didn't grow up in a camping, you know, my parents weren't campers, um, but just going like, yeah, what's out there? And exploring, I took a survival like a training class this uh, <laughs> over the summer where I learned how to build a fire and uh, filter water and uh, create a, like a little place, a little structure for you to, uh, to sleep in and, and going, yeah, what, what's out there in the world? What, what happens when I get outside of my house? What happens if I get outside of the air conditioning and um, get, into, uh, get into nature? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a completely new journey for me. All this is new. Maybe that's why my excitement is, is where it is, but it's, it's all, it's, it's new to me and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Well, that's good. Hopefully, if we get you back on again sometime in the future, that'll be the cliffhanger. You can you can tell us where you've been next time. You but, should you should come check out my part of the world, man. It's it sounds like it's right up your alley. I'm in the mountains of North Carolina, up here in Asheville, man. So the the Asheville thinking very much embodies everything that you've pretty much said today. And we're in the mountains and the nature, so it'd be two birds with one stone, I think, for you. Yeah, man. I, I gotta you know, as, as time goes on, I'm going, I got to get outside of the city, man. Like, I, I think I'm over, I'm in the suburbs of, of Phoenix now. And it's like, you know, all, all the things I, 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 I watch and look at now are like, you know, how, how to build a house out of mud or, or you know, whatever, just in the middle of nowhere right. and, uh, and you know, homesteading and, and things like that, which seem to appeal to me at this point as the craziness you know, sort of continues in the, um, in our society right now. I, you know, I was always camping this weekend and it's like, you go, you go out there and the world's normal out there. No, nobody, nobody's scared of anybody. It's just, you know, there's nobody, you know, hiding under their faces. Like, Oh no, it's like, yeah, no, it's just people living. Go figure. Right. Right. Like I have, I have one more question. It's so random. Who was your first celebrity crush? Amy Jo Johnson. Damn, Just, nailed it. Love it. <laughs> right out the park. Didn't even Pink have to Power think about Ranger. it. Pink, Pink Power. No hesitation. Yeah. Pink Power Ranger. I can get behind that. That's hilarious because I had I, – I can't say she was my first. She was like my, my 1A because – I was always in the Power Rangers girl. I, I was born in 90, so I was like right in that sweet spot of the time there. It would be a tie, tie between her and Hillary Banks from uh from fresh prince yeah yeah man yeah i always i always liked the pink power ranger but if i had to go back to my earliest memory i think it's her <laughs> but that's funny i'm glad you said that <laughs> i uh can't look i i'm i'm sorry that we kept you so long i i was i was just in awe of what you were saying um yeah. No, but, this was fantastic, man. Thank you well, so much. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Cass, do you have any other questions for? No, for man. This was a this was a pleasure to to hear you speak, man. I've I've been looking forward to this for since since we confirmed it with you. I've been this has been something I've been looking forward to. So thank you again for just talking to us, man. It's been great. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. We'll put this up soon, but uh, we'll uh, we'll annoy you for a few more seconds with our award-winning outro. First, let's plug ourselves here. Where we're, Oh, we're, yeah, we always forget stuff. that. No, we always forget to put ourselves over and where we can find our stuff, so we got to do that. So we're on Twitter. You can catch us at, uh, at bodyslam underscore pod, uh, bodyslam dot uh, – I'm sorry, at bodyslamnet. Uh, and Jimmy, where, where, are you, uh, where are you available on, on Insta, uh, social media? In Instagram and Twitter at JimmyJacobsX. Okay, super easy. We'll put that in the bio description. And uh, you can catch him. You said you, you have a match coming up next month, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'll tell you this. On uh, December 19th, uh, I do Mid South, Jimmy Jacobs versus Alex Shelley. Uh, oh, man. One more time. They, you know, we, we had a long feud in 2003, 2004. Yeah. So we did it one more time 18 years later. That'll be Can't awesome. Wait. That yeah. will be awesome, man. Sounds good. So we'll plug that too. But, uh, but yeah, thank you so much again for, for, for coming on. Uh, God bless. And uh, sit back and relax while we take you out with the outro. It looks like he's ready to jump in. He's got his, his ukulele ready. Let's yeah. do it. Podcast. 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 With Cass and Dom and Jimmy Jacobs. The Push. The Push.